Hi guys, welcome back to the Coaching Business Secrets podcast. This is a podcast for coaches and small business owners um, that are specifically have service-based businesses and I just talk about tips. There'll be interviews to come. Uh, so last week, just to recap, we us went over the five key things that I would do differently when starting a coaching business and look, I've, as I said in the previous episode, I've been in coaching businesses for the last 15 years and I've had three different coaching businesses over that time and I'd like to think that each time I'm getting a little bit better at doing it. So um, certainly the five five key things that I spoke about last week, they're, they're key mistakes that I made um, in businesses one and two and I've found that obviously I'm, I'm trying to avoid those this time which is definitely proving successful for me. So this week, um, I'm doing something a little bit differently. I'm, uh, I've taken some questions from clients and through my direct message feed, and I'm just going to talk about those as I go through. Um, so there'll be about four questions today, which I'll try to get in depth into as well. Um, that way I hope so you can learn from, from the experience of others and, and I hope I can give my uh, wisdom and insight um, that I've learnt through the last 15 years of running coaching businesses. So question one is just from Heidi. She's a health and fitness and nutrition coach. So she says, I've got a lot of different things going on. I coach people online for nutrition. I take group fitness classes. I work part-time at the gym and I have few a few personal training clients. What should I concentrate on and where should I spend my time? I guess number one mistake we make as coaching business owners is we have the ability to, to do a lot of different things. Like Heidi, she's, she's obviously tried to really diversify her income where looking at everything that she does, she, she doesn't really have one key thing that she does. She doesn't have a, a, a really... The one that, one thing that really stands out in where she wants to go and where she wants to start, um, where she wants those businesses to go, because in effect, a lot of those are, are very essentially two. She's got about four or five different businesses going on at once, which really does complicate things. So first of all, my advice is she really needs to stand back and make a decision about what the where she wants to be. So honestly, she obviously she's not happy with where she's at at the moment. She probably has a desire for one of the one or two of those areas to be the primary driver. Now, when starting this and obviously we want to we want to work out first things first is is where we want to go. So what's the priority? Um, and that priority. I often think comes down to happiness. What's what's going to make you happy? What what's going to be? Yeah. What does your life look like in five years' time, and how do you want that to look? Are you are you coaching? Are you just taking classes? Are you do you have a PT business, or do you want a job? And each of those answers is fine. But you really just need to be able to answer that question first. So I'm just going to say that. Uh, so I'll, I'll give an example for Heidi's case. 
So if her key focus is that online nutrition, then we can start to really drive our attention into that component of it. So everything else that's there is really just income to support us till we get that key venture off the ground. Um, so the way I look like to look at things in that point of view is what's your ROI on time out of those those other activities that you just need to keep around at the moment to keep the income coming in? Which ones can you scale back? Um, and where does your time really need to focus? And what are the key activities that are going to drive that? So if we're looking at online nutrition, then we need to we need to factor in where our what our high impact tasks are going to be. So they'll they'll be things like developing a social media following or, or generating new leads for that um, for that particular business. So that's where she, yeah, she she might only have ten hours to draw to to set aside to do that side of things, but those ten hours need to be productively in that area. I think when you can when you when you've got a diverse number of tasks such as Heidi does there or a number of different interests that she's got there, the tendency can be to just look at it, get overwhelmed and not really do anything productive or you might do 30 minutes of productivity a week on each of those businesses. But if we, we can narrow this down and, and really narrow our focus into developing that online coaching business and finding out what those high impact tasks are going to be, then we can allocate 10 hours to that and be productive. And that's what's going to drive our business forward. It's going to drive us in the key area that we're identified forward. And it's ultimately going to get us to where we want to be happy. So I hope that answers that question, Heidi. Um, really good question and really common scenario for a lot of coaches out there. All right, so next question comes from Stuart. I'm trying to hire a part-time trainer for the first time. What would be some tips for hiring? Yeah, really good question. So ultimately, the hiring process is quite a difficult one, particularly when it comes to coaching. It's, I, I think, so I, I always think that recommendations are number one, a really good way to go if you can get people... Obviously, you're involved in a certain industry, Stuart. Um, if you can, if you can use your contacts to find people that are are interested. One thing that worked really well for me within fitness, um, and I could probably do this for my business coaching business if I ever wanted to. This state, basically, I've identified that that's not a priority for me. I want to continue to coach, and that's what I really love to do. So I'm very unlikely to ever get rid of that service delivery component. But for instance, Stuart, if you're in fitness, when what I did in the fitness industry before was develop really good connections to um, to universities or, or if you're in the over in the US to be colleges that are actually putting out graduates in either fitness or um, exercise science. In Australia for me it was exercise science. So I found the universities that were really had strong programs that were putting out really good quality students um, that were studious and, and doing really well. I took them on for a 12-week internship. So basically, they mirrored me for a 12-week period. 
Um, they coached alongside me because I did everything in small groups. So my clients got to know them, they got to interact with them, they got to see their skill set. And there was a relationship already developed there. From there, it was very easy for me to then hand over to them and go, okay, you can take this, these three or four sessions per week. And what I found through that process is I found that the most committed people, if they went through that 12 weeks, they were much, much more likely to stay with me. And a lot of those that did that 12 weeks actually then went on to stay with me for, for one, two, three years. So that was what I found was, was really helpful and a really good way to go about it. In terms of interview process, if I was to go back and try to hire someone, and I did this more so from a full-time capacity, um, there is a number of steps that I put through, go through there. I would obviously get them to submit a resume and a cover letter, and they need to do that and follow those instructions as I lay out. Then I would get on the phone and phone screen them over that based on, obviously, that they need the qualifications there. They've, um, I always put a stipulation there that they've done some sort of coaching before as well. Um, and then I get, get on the phone and really, I usually screen about six people at that, at that time to really decide who are the three that I'm going to interview. Then I'll interview three of them. And from that, generally I'll, I'll get rid of one and they'll be down to two. Um, sometimes there's a, a key standout. And then what I'll do from there is get two of those guys, um, two of those people in and to actually coach a session with me so I can, I can watch how they interact with clients. Are they confident? Um, and it's, I try to make it a low pressure environment. I was there as the, as the key coach, but I, I, I said to them, I want you to just get involved when you feel comfortable um, and just introduce yourself to clients and that sort of thing. So that's, and I obviously introduced them my, at the beginning of the session as well. So really, there shouldn't be too many nerves on their behalf because um, you want that confidence out of a coach as well to just be able to, to turn up to, to look at a program, to deliver that. And it was, um, yeah, that's just what I found worked really well. So that's something that I would do for a more established coach, established position, um, but the other method of the, the internship worked really well for me as well. All right, next question comes from Amber. I felt like I've got no time to grow my business. I'm coaching about 40 hours per week and having to prepare sessions, etc. What are some tips for moving forward? I think this is a very similar question to the first one, to, to Heidi's first question. And I think that the whole idea of maxing out a, a business is is definitely an interesting one, interesting concept. And I always feel like it's the concept is definitely, it's it's in our own heads. The, the feeling that we're maxed out or plateaued, um, we, we put this cap on ourselves. So for instance, um, Amber, she might be charging, say, for instance, let's say $100 a week, uh, or sorry, $100 per hour on, on coaching. So she's got, since she's doing 40 hours of coaching, um, she's earning $4,000 a week. We take out rent and all that sort of stuff. Maybe she's earning $3,000 a week. So if she's at that level, well, she's doing really well for herself. Obviously, that equates to about $150,000 a year, and that would put you in definitely the top 10% of coaches. So you'd be pretty happy at that sort of level. Now, 
really you've got three different strategies of how you can approach scaling your business. First off, we need to go back to that key question. What does happiness look like for what does happiness look like for us? What where do we want this business to go and what do we want it to do, it to do for us? And really when we answer that question, we've got three three key things that we can do. Do you want to scale it? Do you want to bring on staff members to help you um, and then cut back your hours? Or do you want to keep the business and just earn more? Um, sorry, do you want to keep the business small and earn more? Or do you want to earn the same and work less hours? So first off, the probably the number one strategy when you're at this point, and this can apply to these three different areas of, of, of where you want to take the business. So if you're doing one-on-one -on -one coaching now, I would definitely, definitely recommend moving to group coaching. Group coaching gives you scalability. It allows you to cut back your hours and it allows you to put time on different things. This works differently in different industries, so it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. But generally, so fitness, um, it can work really well um, from four to 10 people. Um, so that's when you can still maintain a lot of that one-on-one -on -one coaching feel or even you could go up to 20 and then have other coaches coming in. So it's, it's, a, it's a really probably out of all of them scalable. Um, business is, is probably equally, you could scale up to about masterminds at 10 work really well as well. Um, personally, if I was ever to go to the, the group coaching model within a business sense, I would still look to do some one-on-one -on -one coaching um, but then also get people involved in masterminds. I think there's a lot to be said for one-on-one -on -one coaching, but then there's a lot to be said um, for seeing other be people being coached in a group and having feedback from, from multiple people at once for each, each participant. So there's a lot to be said for group coaching and it just does make that business so much more manageable. But if we look at it in terms of um, those three key areas, in terms of do we want to scale this through putting on more staff? Do we want to keep the business small and just earn more? Or do we want to earn the same and work less? So, so let's go to the growth by hiring. So basically, if, if she's at the level of charging $100 per hour and she's doing 40 hours, she's at $150,000 a year, she can afford to bring on staff. Um, and I would address this the same way as we went over that last question about staffing, about how do you hire. And the key thing about hiring staffing in a coaching business is you've got to do it gradually. I've made the mistake in the past where I've decided to hire quickly and I've tried to fill the gaps really reactively when I've needed to. Um, and that hasn't worked out. Um, usually it's because of a lack of fit of the trainer or because of the lack of training on my behalf or both. So number one is don't be in a rush. That's why I recommend the internship model um, because it gives you the, the ability to screen those people really well and they sort of screen themselves out if they aren't if they aren't suitable to the role, which is another massive bonus as well. Um, yeah, so just gradually, gradually hire people and replace yourself as you want. I think it's still 
in terms of a coaching business, it's still really important to have some contact with the clients, at least in the very early days until they get used to someone else. Another aspect you can go, go through is, is look at hiring someone of a lower skill level. And this might be to help with tasks like um, you're scheduling your social posts or running your marketing once you've got highly developed lead generation strategy in place or just doing general admin or assisting with customer service. I will say, if we're looking at marketing, I believe it's, and I've said this before, I believe it's so important for every business owner to really get locked in their own and know how to market their business. So I, I really believe that they need to get to the point where you know how to consistently and the tasks that are involved in consistently and predictably bring on new leads into the business. And I think that's the, the number one key function of a business owner is knowing that, doing that, and then you can delegate that. But there's a lot of other stuff in your business that you can delegate straight away to an um, administrator. And those are the sort of tasks that you need to peel off. Ultimately it comes back to that question, where do you ultimately want to sit within the business? Are you happy coaching? Do you want to run the business? Where do you want to sit? And that's, that's a question for you and that's how we go about that hiring process. So two strategies there, you need to hire, hire coaches to assist you or take over, ultimately take over, or two, you hire administrators to do the, the work around the coaching that you're already doing. But again, key thing there, move that one-on-one -on -one coaching to group coaching wherever possible. Um, it works whatever industry you're in, it just depends what's gonna be the best fit for you and your clients. Strategy two is we raise our prices. So you wanna keep the business small um, and but do less work is basically, and you keep the model, you could potentially keep the model the same as well. As well. So you can raise your prices here. So you might go from $100 per hour to $150 per hour. By doing that, basically, if you lost 25% of your clients, you'd still be on even keel, and that's pretty cool as well. Now, I think one thing, yeah, so that's that's something to consider. Um, you can definitely trial that, float it out there with your clients as each client sort of comes up to renewal, or maybe the longer term clients that have been with you for a year or so, um, and say you, you've had to update your rate. But choose a segment of that client base, see, run it through that, that run it through them initially, um, and then I'd start to, to phase it into everyone after that. To, and that's how you basically scale your business. Again, what would work really well, you could leave the prices the same, but do group coaching, but just demonstrate the more, even more value that you're gonna give through that group coaching and you'll have no problems with dropouts there. Same with strategy three, I think. Before we sort of um, talked about wanting to earn the same and work less, well, again, group coaching, that works really well with. Um, so I guess, yeah, look at I, what I've done in the past when I've moved from a one-on-one -on -one model to a group coaching model. I kept my prices the same. Um, what I, so, but basically what I did was demonstrated more value. I showed them that I'm going to do more work on their programming. 
Um, I said to them, look, it's it's better for everyone um, if I coach in a group in a small group setting because I feel I can um, I can deliver better service to everyone um, out of the trial that I've done, and ultimately I can assist you without with outside of when you actually see me as well. So it just gives me more time to do that and work on you. So actually, I, I can actually spend a little bit more time on you rather than just the time that you actually pay for. Um, and finally, oh, where were we there? So, all right, so I think that pretty much covers that particular strategy for Amber and how I would go about it as well. So. I hope that answers that okay, Amber, but um, yeah. All right, so finally, John, where should I market my business online? All right, so where should we market our business online these days? So I think the number one paid thing we need to do these days as coaches is no paid advertising. This is the only predictable way that we can generate new leads and contacts into our business from day one and do it very, very quickly. So we need to do an element of, of, of paid advertising. The way to do that um, and the, the best platform for that these days is still Facebook and Instagram. So um, probably the, the biggest value for money area in the, those, two, those two socials is paid Instagram stories. Um, I'm seeing probably the best return on investment at the moment. The other one, the other two platforms that are performing really well organically at the moment are TikTok, um, which is still a younger demographic. So I'd probably steer away from that for from a coaching sense. Um, but the the new key one to get on and do regularly um, is LinkedIn. It's obviously it's been a platform for a very long time. It's produ was predominantly a recruitment tool but now it is performing really well organically, kind of like Facebook was back in 2011, 12, 13. So get onto that one and start to post both on your business and private pages, set up that, start to, start to post regularly and do that regularly. So yeah, that's where I would start to market my business online. How would I do that? Um, I would, generally just have lead capture pages um, set up a bit of a website like just look just go and look at me on the socials look what I do look how I set things up I don't spend a lot of time developing a website um, but I've tested a lot of my landing pages and that sort of thing so my free tools my business calls and all that sort of stuff they've, they've already been tested and shown to work um, so yeah, rip those off if you want to and put your own spin on those. Um, you've certainly got my permission to do that. All right, guys. Um, I hope that answers my question. Um, sorry, John's question there about how to market your business online. Um, I, yeah, that was fun today. I got into quite a bit of depth, which was good. Um, and I hope that sort of brought to light some strategies that you can start to use with your business and start to really think about where where your business is going and how you're going to take it to that next level. Thanks again. Um, I look forward to, as I said before, I do this every, each and every week. So I look forward to speaking with you soon.